or say like you mean it engage. When somebody is engaged, it means the person is out of market. It means the person is out of exclu- uh, uh, out of the search area. If you are looking for a prospective husband or wife, you exclude that person because that person is already betrothed to somebody else. Am I talking to somebody? Are are you getting what I'm saying? If somebody is engaged, it means the person has gone beyond the peripherals. They've gone beyond the surface. They've taken a deeper step into a relationship with the person they were friends with before. Am I explaining? The way you are quiet, I'm wondering whether you're understanding me. Am I speaking English or Greek? Or you want me to use other, do you want me to to use another example or the marriage one is, because it looks like some people are getting uncomfortable. Okay. So, once we talk about engagement, we are talking about a relationship and we are talking about a certain type of love. The f- love as a friend, love as a platonic friend, is not the same as love as a boyfriend. And la- love as a boyfriend, girlfriend, is not the same as love as an engaged couple. Am I making sense? Because it's another, ex- another step into the relationship. And love as engagement and love as marriage are two different things because you have taken a further step. So in this month, we are taking another step in our intimacy with God. Amen. We are going beyond the friendship. We are going beyond the peripheral and take another step deeper into our relationship with God. John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse 21 to 24 This is an encounter with a woman. Jesus had an encounter with a woman at the well. And the woman was uh, engaged by Jesus in a conversation. And uh, at a point, Jesus asked the woman if... the, The woman actually said to Jesus, Our fathers have prophesied that the Messiah is coming. And uh, when the, the Messiah comes, he will teach us or lead us into a deeper relationship with God. And Jesus said to the woman, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. But, somebody say but. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. So the worship of God is not something that has to be done on the surface. It's not something that has to be done on the precipice. 
is something that has to go a little deeper. It's something that has to be a little more intimate. It cannot be a surface or a corporate type of worship. Most of us, our worship to with God or to God is a corporate type of worship. We come to church. We pray in church. We come to church. The pastor says, open your Bible too. We open the Bible too. The pastor says we should read a, a, a passage. We read a passage. But as soon as we go home, we do not open the Bible. As soon as we go home, we do not pray. As soon as we go home, we do not worship. For instance, there are some of us, if I ask you to come and sing a worship song from beginning to end, you may not know the words. Because it is not something you practice at home. You only sing when you come to church and everybody is singing. When everybody is not singing, you don't have a song. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Because your relationship is a corporate type of relationship. This month, engage. We are disengaging in the corporate worship and we are re-engaging in the personal private worship. Am I making sense? Because God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth is not done corporately. Spirit and truth is done as individuals. Worshipping God in spirit and truth starts by you and I developing an intimate relationship with God. So I started by saying that if you come into relationship or you come to uh, maybe a place, you have to be introduced. Is that, is that okay? So I come, sister. Excuse me. I'm Chris. What's your name? Oh, it's nice to, to meet you. And uh, you also say it's nice to meet you. Our relationship is only just begun by hello, my name is, you also say your name is, and that is the end of the story. Then we go further. Oh, is it okay for me to call you now and again? She says, okay, maybe yes. And they give you your they give you her, she gives you your number. You also exchange numbers. And then it's another, then we begin to talk. Occasionally I call. Occasionally you call. Okay. Okay, this generation, as soon as, I say, can, I, can you follow me on Instagram? That's how I'll think about it. Then as soon as you leave, the person just Googles you and reads all your stats. <laughs> and starts to look at your, isn't it? Your life on social media. Listen, stop living your life on social media. Stop living, putting the food you eat, the clothes you wear. Stop all that nonsense. <laughs> but, but what I'm trying to say is that, what I'm trying to say is that when you know somebody, you know, on initial stages, your knowledge is very limited. It takes a certain type of communication, conversation to deepen the relationship. And as you communicate and interact with each other, the relationship is going deeper and deeper and deeper. You know, like some people, they start, they will visit you with their friends because they are not sure about you. So it's corporate. Oh, yeah, I, I'm taking you out. They bring their friends along. 
sisters. Am I? Yeah. Oh, can I come with my roommate? Yeah, sure, why not? Then you also take your roommate because you are not sure of the person. A time will come when nobody will tell you to drop your roommate because you know that now we are on a date and the roommate cannot come because the conversation we are engaged in, it is not a, a, a type of conversation that the roommate can engage in. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it goes deeper and deeper until one day you take the person out or the person takes you out and in the conversation they propose to you and they bring a ring. Can somebody tell that gentleman to go and sit somewhere else? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then you're like, oh, you accept it. Then you start taking pictures and you call your mother, you call your father, you call your girlfriends, you call everybody to tell them that he proposed and I accepted. Then the, the, the relationship still carries on, carries on. Then you go past the engagement stage, goes past wedding, goes past first anniversary. You have a lot of bumps and uh, bruises now and again. And it goes and goes and goes until you get to 25 years. Now, you don't even have to talk. You know what the person is thinking. Because the relationship has gone beyond the initial. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is how our relationship with God is like. It has to go deeper and deeper and deeper. But you know that there are some type of friends, the place, the platonic level that you left them is the same level you stay with them till you die. Isn't it? You know them, but you know them up to this point. And that is where it stays till one of you dies. Because you are not prepared to go beyond that level. It is not that type of friendship. It's not that type of relationship. It's like we know each other up to this point. We've known of each other all these years. We've been neighbors. We've been uh, colleagues. We've been friends. We've been family friends. But that is where it stops. For some of us, our relationship with God is family friends. Oh. We have been neighbors for a very long time. Since we were young, we knew of God. Since we were young, our parents used to take us to their home. On occasionally on the weekends, we go and visit. And, and you know, go and eat lunch it, it, on Sundays in, in the place. We have breakfast with them. We have lunch with them. We've always had that Sunday roast. We go and eat Sunday roast at that place. Since I was in nursery, we eat Sunday roast there. When I got to secondary school, we're eating Sunday roast there. When I got to uni, we're eating Sunday roast. When I got married, they came. The next day, went to eat Sunday roast. When I had my children, they were there. We had Sunday roast. But that, that's the level. It does not go beyond it. We are neighbors, we are friends, we are colleagues, you know, we are family friends, but that is where it stops. So my question to you this evening, what type of relationship are you engaged in?
Look at another group of people in their relationship. First John 1. First John 1. From verse 3. From verse 1. Let's start from verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. So assume that the word of life is a person. His name is the word of life. We corporate, we engage him. We heard of him, we spoke to him, and then we, our hands handled him. Are you getting it? The life was manifest, manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, declared, we declare to you, and that which we are, that you may also have fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Amen. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and to him is and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Amen. So we can tickle ourselves and laugh. And say we have handled him. And say we have touched him. And say we have spoken with him. We know him. But if our mannerisms, if our behavior, if our lifestyle is opposite or contrary to people who have handled him, then we are deceiving ourselves. We are walking in darkness thinking that we are in the light. That also says or suggests to me that there are sometimes there is a time that you may think that you are intimate with him, but you are not. You can deceive yourself. How many have been in a supposed relationship with somebody when the person didn't know that they were in a relationship with you? You thought you were in a relationship. Uh, can I can I use relationship as I think that's the easiest example <laughs> oh Pastor Sam why <laughs> he jitted me he jitted me I thought I was the one before I realized he was announcing his uh, wedding and your heart broken but when we start to talk with you and analyze, what made you think and convince yourself that you were in a relationship with the person? You realize that what they were saying is not really a relationship. It was a corporate. We used to go to his house. I, he, he took me here. He took us here. He took us. And when he comes, he always smiles at me. I smiles with everybody. Oh, um, listen, I've been doing this job for a long time. I don't know whether you've realized. 
I've been doing this job for more than 25 years, and I can tell you, see, sometimes when somebody's uh, word is announced, some people come and cry in my office. <laughs> Pastor, it's broken my heart. It's broken my heart. And we ask questions. Ah. But how did you convince yourself that you were in a relationship with this guy? Say, Pastor, you don't know. The way he looks at me is different from the way he looks at everybody. You, are you in somebody's eyes to know how he looks at the person? So Jesus said that some people will come and say, we, we taught in your name, we prophesied in your name, we healed in your name, and said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I knew you not. Why? Because we thought we had a relationship. But we didn't have it. Because when a relationship is a relationship, there are certain criteria that have to be met. Am I making sense? When those criteria are not met, then you cannot convince me that you are in a relationship. Hallelujah. Pastor, pastor, he's broken my heart. He's broken my heart. Especially this type of sanguine type of guys. You know, the one who is nice with everybody will put will put his hands around everybody, will laugh with everybody, will buy food for everybody, will put everybody in their car and drive them around. Always being helpful to everybody. As you are being helpful, somebody has interpreted it to mean that I am exclusive. Without realizing that he, he does the same thing for everybody. Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Super Helper, will help you to move your, uh, your house. Come and help you to re, uh, what do you call your wardrobe? You want to build your wardrobe? You call. He's Mr. Dependable. Come and take me shopping. He will come. Come and do this for me. He will come. Oh, uh, today I'm, I'm bored. I, 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 do you want me to come and take you to a movie? Yes, come and take me. They, they will come. But just after they finish watching a movie with you, sister, other one has called. So he goes to the sister, other one, and takes them to movie again. <laughs> He's a very, generally a very nice guy all over the place. Relationships, the way in which two or more people are connected. I'm giving you a definition of a relationship. The way two or more people are connected, the state of being connected. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, the truth is not in us. We make him a liar, isn't it? And the truth is not in us. Fellowship means companionship. It means company. It means community of interest, activity, feeling, and experience. When we say some, we have fellowship, we have close companionship. When we say we have close uh, relationship, it means we have a certain interest, common interest. Is that okay? We have a certain corporate activity, corporate feeling. 
Amen. One of the primary objectives of God for creating you and I was this thing, to have intimate relationship with man. Does that make sense? In Genesis 1, 26, 7, 8, let us make man in our own image and uh, so that they will have dominion on the earth, just as we have dominion in heaven. Do you understand? And you see, you can't have relationship if you are not compatible, if you are not comparable. So he says, just as we have uh, dominion on the, in heaven, let man have dominion on the earth, under the earth and in the air, so that we can have close relationship. In Mark chapter 4, uh, Jesus calls his disciples. And the Bible says he prayed all night. And in the morning, he chose, I think it's 13, verse 13 or 14, thereabouts. Have you found it? No. Mark chapter 3, sorry. Mark chapter 3. I'll come to chapter 4 in a minute. Chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says that he went up to the mountain to pray, and then he called him those he, he himself wanted, and they came to him. Verse 14. And he appointed that they might be with him and that they might, he might send them out to go and preach. So what was the first objective of Jesus? His first objective for picking the 12 disciples was so that they might be with him. Are you with me? And then he sends them out. The sending out does not supersede the being with. Am I making sense? His first primary objective is that they must be with him. So our primary reason for being in, in God, in Christ, is not so that we'll become super spiritual and go and weed souls for Christ. But he wants us to be with him. First of all. So if we are doing everything else but not being with him, then there is a problem. Are you with me? There are certain ma uh, married couples that will do everything but being with each other. They will look after the children, they will cook, they will clean, they will wash, they will do everything, but they hardly talk to each other. I call them professional wife and professional husband. They are professionally married. They are not even friends anymore. So as soon as you, you come home, honey, how are you? Uh, have the kids eaten? Did they have homework? Is everything homework done? Say, okay. Was there any problem? No. Uh, the, the bill has not been paid. Okay. I'll sort it out. Then you go and do whatever. One is going to have a shower. One is cooking, uh, warming the food. One comes back, eat, and then they go and sit in front of TV, and they play with their phone, and then they fall asleep, and next morning they go. And uh, in the, during the day, they'll send texts, are you okay? Is everything all right? Have the kids gone to school? Yes. Uh, please get eggs, uh, onions, pepper, and uh, uh, to toilet paper, and chicken wings when you are coming home. 
then he to pass by and get toilet uh, paper and chicken wings and then drop them home. Uh, I said, okay, everything sorted out. There is no, do you understand what I'm saying? But the marriage was not for all this toilet paper and chicken wings. Yes, that or the children. The children and toilet paper and chicken wings is an offshoot of the relationship. The initial or the main reason is to be with him. That is it. As when you are being with him, there will come other things, but those other things don't supersede the being with. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can easily, you can easily get to a place where you disengage yourself in the marriage. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of people get divorced at the 18th, 19th, and 20th year of their relationship. Do you know why? You want me to tell you why? No. At the 18th year, 19th year, the children are graduating. They are growing. The children are about to leave the home. When the children fly out of the nest, then the husband and the wife realize that they didn't have any relationship. Everything they had between them was through the children. Now that the children are no more, they realize, hey, we haven't been with each other. We will finish our job. So you see that because the husband has been disengaged for a very long time, he starts to engage himself with some little young girls on the side. Find some shrimp and then be with them. Are you getting what I'm saying? And, And all those things come as a result of not being with each other. This is a litmus test. Do you want me to give you a litmus test? Can you be in a room with your spouse for a whole weekend without a phone, without television, without the children, and not get bored? I think I'll leave some of these things for uh, as we go on to the marriage. How, how many are looking forward to next weekend? Next, it's going to be very, very powerful. Yeah, yeah. We, we we will get to know the seasons and times in marriages that you have to be. You have to mark nine, eighteenth, nineteenth, twentieth year is very crucial. And then 26, 27, 28 year is also crucial. And 31st, 32nd, 33rd year is also crucial. Then the 40th year is also crucial because by then, one is getting sick. So now it's going to be you looking after, one is looking after the other. We'll talk about that later. Hallelujah. But the primary objective what's happening? Mm, mm. 
That, that is why, that is why when you are old. <laughs> so you see, one of the things is that when you marry somebody who is way younger than you, you have more problems. Because as you are getting disengaged in terms of illness and thing, the person is still active. That adds more pressure. Do you understand? Anyway, we'll talk about that next as we go on. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, verse 17. We, I, I said this to you the other day that engagement also brings its dangers in the sense that engagement brings power. Do you understand? The platonic relationship with a lot of communication, entered into engagement. That also entered into marriage. That also entered into uh, a certain place where you are your missus. Assuming you are Mrs. Dangote. All of a sudden, you control a lot of wealth and a lot of power. Not because you, you are worth that much, but because of the engagement and because of your uh, intimacy with the person, all of a sudden you have authority. Look at this. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Read on. Behold, I give you authority to trample serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, someone say, nevertheless. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice rather that your names are written in heaven. Rather rejoice in the fact that you have intimacy with me because you can easily be power drunk. You can easily get to a place where you are just uh, uh, feeling important because of the power of the name you carry. Can you imagine Mrs. Dangote goes around ordering people about and doing, and meanwhile she's forgotten that she's a wife and so does not do wifely duties. It can go about two, three weeks. She hasn't spoken to her husband because she's just sitting somewhere in the south of uh, France, lying on the beach by herself. And this man is also somewhere. It will get to a point, the man will say, this marriage, I don't think, it is beneficial to me. So he says, you know what? Let's go our separate ways. All of a sudden, the woman's power and whatever she was carrying is gone. Are you getting me? And somebody else takes that power, like Vashti lost her power, and Esther took off that power. She just rolled to the sunset. Nobody hurt. She rolled to oblivion. The, her story ended when she disengaged. I'm not making sense. In the same way, our engagement brings us a certain authority. But let not that authority confuse us. Hello? Let that, not, that authority not make us disengage from 
our relationship with God. Don't be too busy that your relationship with God becomes corporate. You know, most people start being intimate with God and God promotes them and God elevates them. And sometimes the elevation brings a lot of power and that power makes them disengage. I don't know whether I, I won't share it. I'll get in trouble. But I, I, I reported my wife to my son and my wife to my daughter because of something that she did. And, and my son said, rightly so. <laughs> and my complaint was because she was engaged in something else. Are you getting it? And I felt that she should have been engaged in something else. So there was a misunderstanding there. But it's insulted. Don't think too much. <laughs> but I was trying to bring that conscious mind that number one still remains number one. Sometimes a, a, a wife becomes a mother and all her con concentration and attention goes to the child. And the husband feels alienated. Feels like they are disturbance and a nuisance. They feel like an ex-boyfriend who, who the baby has just displaced. Sometimes you are, you are asked to go and sleep in the other room because you are disturbing. The baby wants to sleep and you are making noise. They want to put the baby here. In the middle. <laughs> and the baby has not you just and the baby that means you have to <laughs> disengage. <laughs> if you don't take care, you will lose your spouse. Are, are you are you with me? What I'm trying to make us understand is that it doesn't matter how you far you go with God. Never lose your intimacy with him. Jesus was saying to the disciples, do not rejoice because demons are subject to you. Don't rejoice because you are healing and uh, having signs and wonders all over the place. It doesn't matter. The signs and wonders is because of your secret engagement with me. And the more you engage, the more power you have. The less you engage, the less power you have. Am I making sense? So my prayer for us is that we continue to engage our God. Amen. We continue to have close fellowship with him. Amen. There is Moses and there is Israel. Now, Moses had a certain relationship with God that was different from what Israel had. Am I making sense? The Bible says, I think Psalm 1, 103. Go to Psalm 103. Verse 7, I believe. The Bible says, he made known his ways to Moses, but his acts to the children of Israel. And that's because their relationship was different. 
Am I making sense? Knowing the ways of somebody is not the same as the acts. The acts are just the actions. You understand? For instance, you may know the actions, my actions. Now, as for pastor, he gets very happy quickly, and he gets very angry even more quickly. That's the acts. But you may not know the ways. Do you get it? I, I, I used to pastor a church, and when, I, when I'm pastoring, you know, sometimes somebody, I can shout at the person, you, come and sit, come and sit down in front of everybody. And the person will just come and say, you. So I just shout at the person. And then the pastor was coming to take over from me. And he saw me shouting at people and ordering people about. So as soon as I left and he took over the church, he also started shouting at somebody, yes, you come and sit down. Let this be the last time you ever lift your voice at me again. Do you know me? Reverend Chris can shout all he wants. But you don't ever try this again. And then the person called me. He said, this is what has happened. Why? Because the acts and the ways are different. I can shout because I have a certain relationship. I have a certain that you don't have. So if you try using the same thing, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But you, who are you? <laughs> are, are you getting? Moses knew beyond. I mean, Moses could turn the heart of God. Say, God, why are you going to destroy these people? Me, did I give birth to them? And if you destroy them, don't you think the people will say that it's because you couldn't take them to the promised land, so you decided to kill them in the desert? Have you thought about this, God? And then God said, no, it's true. Because of what you have said, I won't kill them again. It's a different level of relationship. For a man to change God's mind, it's a different thing. In Genesis 18, it says that, shall I destroy a people without telling my friend Abraham, seeing that he will leave his household? No, I have to tell my friend. I can't just go and do anything because he knows my ways. So I need to inform him. Are you getting it? In, in John 15, Jesus says that you are no longer, I do not call you servant anymore. I call you my friends. For a friend knows what the secret of another. Am I making sense? I do not call you servant anymore. You have graduated in your relationship because you've gotten to a place where you know my ways. We hang out. So you know my intentions. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives a parable. Parable of the sower. And he says that 
He preaches in a very funny way. I think from verse 9, there are about. He preaches in a funny way. Anyone who has ear, let him hear. Verse 10. But when he saw, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked about the parable. He gave a certain parable. Just they, they, Can you imagine you come to church, the pastor preached, nobody understands. And he's not bothered to explain. He says that anyone who has an ear, let him hear. So the people come to him to his office after service. And they said to them, for you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But for those who are outside, all things are come in a parable, in parables. So that seeing they may not see, not perceive, and not perceive, and hearing that they may not hear and not understand, understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said, do you understand this parable? Do, do you not understand this parable? How then would you understand all parables? Then he takes his time to break the parable down to those that he's intimate with. You know, so when you're intimate with God, God explains certain things that others don't understand. They will never understand until they go deep. Last, was it last week we saw in uh, Psalm 73 that uh, Paul, uh, David was saying that my foot almost slipped because I saw the prosperity of the wicked and I could not understand it. Till I went to the house of the Lord. Till I got a little bit intimate with God. Till I went a little bit deeper in my relationship with God. Then I understood why God allows certain things to happen. In our Christian relationship, we may never understand certain things unless we go deeper. Amen. So this month, we'll be going deeper. We'll be going deeper. My aim is that by the time we finish the next for three, four weeks, our relationship with God will change. And it will not be corporate anymore. 